Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my wonderful co-host, Lawson. Lawson, good morning to you. How are you? Oi, I am so well this morning, Danuta. Oh, I yes. am just living my best life. I'm actually looking forward to an afternoon of motorbike riding with a bunch of with bunch of church people. And I'm also grateful for so there's this word that that came up that popped into my head this morning because Chris yep. Shell was making fun of me. She's like, think of something to be, you know, actually grateful for or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird conversation. But then, do you know the name of the plastic casing that surrounds the end of the shoelace? Do you know the name? The name of it? Yeah. No. So, I didn't know it had a specific name. I was actually telling Shell about this. It was a bit of a cultural <laughs> moment for my people because, like, one of the most popular TV shows made it a point in one of, like, their primetime airing episodes, like, for kids. Like, yeah. it was big when I was a kid called Phineas and Ferb. To, to promote this word and to spread it around and goes, you know, no one knows the name of this thing, but we're going <laughs> to... And so if you ask anyone my age what the name of the plastic casing on the end yeah. of the shoelace is, they will tell you that it is called an aglet. Aglet. It's called an aglet. That is That's its a really official name. name <laughs> and, and, and its function is to, you know, support the shoelace and help it not be frayed. And so I'm, I guess I'm just grateful for those because I would have, man, I'd have shoelaces going out the door 24-7 if we didn't have those. Oh, true. There you go. There you go. That's an interesting one to be grateful for. Aglet. Yeah, aglet. That's the name to, n- name to remember today, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the word to remember, the plastic casing that goes around the end of the shoecase. Abs- shoelace. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are you I'm, grateful for? I'm grateful for a wonderful husband. Last night we sat and just had some really good quality time just talking. We dimmed the lights and we just sat there talking about all things and planning sort life. of our next year ahead a little bit and stuff uh, and what we want to do around the house. So wow. that was just That's some so wonderful – I'm a quality cute. time person, so that for me was really meaningful. I love that. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Justin, Dr. Justin Jackson, looking at Gems for Life from Creation Week. In our news, we're looking at Israel, and we're continuing our Bible study on Ephesians 5, living wisely, walking as children of light. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We've got some great things coming up today, but before we continue our show in the good news segment, um, Lawson, what's our first quiz question for today, please? Okay, our first. Hey, we've, this is this is from yesterday. Come on, Shell, wake up! <laughs> nah, Shell does like She's so been much busy work. doing lots of quizzes today for the next few days. Hey, well, before we get into this one, <laughs> yeah. I actually want to say I'm also grateful. So you, Danuta, your husband Keith, came down to my university yesterday uh-huh. and talked about reaching and relating to Aboriginal people, Aboriginal mm-hmm. culture, Aboriginal mm-hmm. religion, and where we stand as Christians. And I got to say, like, I was so blessed. I was in the classroom listening because oh, I'm part of my, my uni class. Yeah. Um, we had <laughs> theology students, teaching students, business students in there um, listening to you guys and, and your experience as well. Oh, and because Keith's Aboriginal That's right. Too. Your background, your yeah. experience in that space. And I, I was just reflecting, like, we were so blessed by that because I think there's there's so much to be said in that conversation of, like, well, in the Aboriginal space, but in general, like, where do culture and religion meet? 
meet, and particularly mm. when it comes to Christianity, which is transcendent mm-hmm. of those cultures and those religions. And you like went, we said too, that Christ, God works within culture. That's right. Yeah. God is working within culture, but then he's also leading people mm-hmm. to a, the fullest sense of his truth. Absolutely. And so it was it was really powerful. Like I was I was really touched, you know, and I, I'll be honest, like I've seen some some different thoughts, some different ideas in that mm-hmm. space of like how do we meld these things together? And I think oftentimes there's a bit too much focus on the melding rather than mm. the turning to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about your guys' presentation is it's like, yes, this is their culture. This is how we understand them. Mm-hmm. This is how we respect them. This is how we live among them. But mm-hmm. this is how we stand for the truth. Mm-hmm. And this is how we teach them the truth. And I was I was touched. I was oh, really that's touched. Beautiful to and hear. then I was super blessed afterwards because you guys shouted me lunch. So I was <laughs> like we got to hang out and eat together and that do some photos of Faith FM. So I got yeah. to it's kinda like, you know, we come here every morning and we hang out and do our breakfast show together. Yeah, we do. But then also yesterday we got to hang out and yes. it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, and and, the, and it's, it's such a learning space within that, as you say. Like mm. For you, I know that you were one of those that was asking quite a few questions and there were others mm. even online that were asking questions. And what Keith and I also went away from that with um, is that we just said how it was just beautiful to have, you know, students that were really interested in that space mm. about really learning about our First Nations people because the journey of our First Nations people, of course, um, you know, for the last 200 years or so has been really difficult in a lot of spaces and what I love and what what we see as Keith and I, you know, visit the Aboriginal people, um, you know, we, I refer to some, you know, they say, you know, who's your mob that, you know, they, they talk about who's your mob as in which country you're from and, you know, who's your mob as in family and, and um, mm. family as well by, by the last surname. But what we actually find in that space is that people are really interested in knowing more about God and that verse that mm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind and mm-hmm. even what we're unpacking with what Paul says here about believers mm. you know putting on um putting on the new new man taking off the old man we actually see that being applied you know right across every culture and with our first nation people what's really beautiful is that there's this beautiful space of healing that happens mm. when they find Jesus in their lives yeah and this and and the brokenness and the pain of intergenerational trauma is actually you know um lessened so much so mm. it's pretty exciting so yeah this is such a, I want to keep talking about this we have to uh we have yeah. to get our quiz question we'll do this but i have a question to ask you about this to do sure. actually one that came to my mind but didn't come up in our class yesterday here we go though here's our quiz question why were the israelites afraid to approach moses after he came down from mount sinai if you know the answer to this one zero four nine one zero six four six six nine again that question was why were the israelites afraid to approach moses after he came down from mount sinai zero four nine one zero six four six six nine that is the number to text and if you text that number with the correct answer you'll go into the draw to win our heroes of the bible board game you build a map and make your way around it and essentially you have a different map every time so it's kind of like playing mm. a different game every time it's like so <laughs> awesome we want to give this to you absolutely for free it's it's a four to six player game as well which is great so you can you know i i'm i don't imagine that many of you have Maybe family's bigger than that, or, although you might, um, but get the whole family involved or a bunch of and, your uni friends. Or it friends. might be one of those like Pictionary in that, that it says it's for four to six players, you but can you get do teams. each one, yeah. 
So that's awesome. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We want to give this to you absolutely for free. Mm. Why? Oh, if you win the draw. You have to win the draw. The draw is going to be happening on Friday. Why were the Israelites afraid to approach Moses after he came down from Mount Sinai? Mm, Absolutely. Hey, I have a question for you today. I have a question. So one thing that we highlighted yesterday in our comparison of Aboriginal culture and and in our deep dive into Mm, it. It was a deep dive, yeah. Is the spiritualism aspects Mm -hmm. of the Aboriginal religion and stuff that we as Christians shouldn't touch. Although there is a respect for culture, Mm -hmm. there's a respect for eldership and history. It's like, hey, this is actually a real step into the dark spiritualism and and whatnot. Um, And one of the things we talked about in particular was smoking ceremonies and how it's used to invoke spirits. And it's like, okay, this is spiritualism and the effect that it can can have on people. Um, I want to ask you now, if you've seen a difference between... Those because it's like Aboriginal people they they can be religious in a different avenue mm, or very absolutely. spiritually in a absolutely. different avenue than very than, deep. than, yeah, yeah. than in than is Christianity. <clears throat> How do you find when people either go down the road as an Aboriginal person as becoming Christian or they go down the road of stepping into their cultural religion? Mm-hmm. Do you see a marked difference there between those people? Yeah, look, you know, what What I've seen and, and I guess what my husband has seen too and he personally has experienced is that, <laughs> is that um, you let go of some of those, those, those things that are cultural but not necessarily completely. Sure. Okay, yeah. so for, for example, um, in the case of, um, uh, you know, some of the dances that, are, uh, that are, are, are depicted basically towards the ancestors, mm. there's dances that are more about expression of animals and what the animals do on the land yeah okay is that that sort of thing and that in its own way is like also glorifying god for what he has created and who he is and and the majestic god that he is sure and And that kind of reminds mm. me of like a like you know some of the australian bush songs or whatever you know like the like from the settlers or like a waltzing Mm. matilda for example it's like deeply part of our culture i know that in the aboriginal sense there is more of a deeper cultural meaning there Mm -hmm. but um at the same time like it's like yeah, it's a part of our culture that's like, oh, this is... And, but in that sense, you give reverence to God. So absolutely. absolutely. And so there's pastors that I know. There's several pastors. In fact, we had one even at, at um, one of our big yearly conventions um, mm-hmm. of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in New South Wales. We actually had, you know, we're three or 4,000 people, about 3,000 people gather. We actually had a pastor there playing the didgeridoo. Mm. Okay. So his playing of the didgeridoo, and I know of other pastors that do some dancing, you know, an Aboriginal pastor that does some dancing or playing the didgeridoo, that the didgeridoo playing is is just general playing. It's not to actually, um, you know, in in to to evoke the spirits or and or, or or towards the the ancestor spirits that that is part of the Aboriginal culture. Instead, mm. they just play the didgeridoo, and it's actually a beautiful thing to hear. And so sometimes Christians can actually in that space mm. find that a little bit hard when they actually see somebody doing some dances or or hear the didgeridoo being played. Mm-hmm. They have 
have concerns and they actually, you know, may complain to either a pastor or to somebody else going, what's going on here? Mm. But when they actually know that distinction, mm. that there is a distinction, um, but that still there's still some culture, but it's not in the sense of towards the ancestral spirits, mm. then it's more accepting for Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But mm. I'd love to know further when Aboriginal people maybe are participating in a lot of that spirit you know, spirit worship, ancestor worship, these kinds of things. Um, does it seem to benefit them or is it, you know, and, and you can... You and can and I, I, think, I think that's... I'll tell you where my mind's gone. Yeah. I know who we can actually contact as an Aboriginal pastor that will answer some of those questions yeah. because I think in this space... Probably it's best that somebody that's Aboriginal actually sure, answers some sure, of these. Sure, sure. And I love the questions that you're actually asking. So I'm not not having a problem with that. That's not why I'm sort of saying that. I'm just actually saying that I think there's some really good and deep questions that can yeah. need to be asked in this space of how does that spirituality merge with Christianity mm. in the sense that we still glorify God and not actually the ancestor spirits, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's where you're kind of going that, with that, aren't you? That's where I'm really thinking are. of it because I, I think in, often in these spaces, and it's not just here in Australia, Australia, but in in other countries as well, well, and that mix within Christianity and whatnot. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. um, You know, it's people are maybe from the outside perspective, that from the non-religious background, are like, oh, you know, Aboriginal people should participate in this, and and I've heard some rhetoric, like you know, and. Rightly so that you know the and we talked about this yesterday the missteps of missionaries in mm-hmm. because in the early days in the early yeah. days because and then it was enabled you know slavery and massacres and all these mm. awful things but simultaneously it's like oh to go the the other direction and just say oh let's just wholesale participate in spiritualism rather mm. than stand for godly religion it's it's we we see this balance and this tension and absolutely. And, Ab- and for me, I kind of sit here and I think, you know, when it came to in the time of the Bible, mm. um, the Lord's very clear, you know, in First yeah. Samuel, he says, put away your Baals, put mm. away your idols, mm-hmm. worship the Lord. Like, the, you know, this isn't something to be played with or missed with anymore. He didn't then say to the Mesopotamian or, or whatever, it's like, okay, and, and now as well, uh, you have to, in fact, one of the things he doesn't say, and this is something, this is like the really clear distinction is that you have to get circumcised, yeah. like to participate yeah. directly in something that is incredibly cultural, even though uh, circumcision had spiritual significance for the Jewish people, we know that that was a requirement for Gentiles. Ab- absolutely. And so for us, it's like, okay, well, you know, for for Aboriginals and, and they're relating to God and mm-hmm. relating to a God who, you know, is transcendent above their culture, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just trying to see it's like where you know, to just lay down some definitions and just say, okay, how can we, because I think ultimately it goes to how can we best as Christians serve these people? Absolutely. And, lead them to and, the, and the key with that, and I think we brought that up particularly mm. um, in, this, in, in our second lecture, is that the three key things are to listen first to their stories because mm. they're stories that are deep and, and because they are such a strong, deep spiritual culture. Mm. The second thing is to um, learn from them um, and, and the way that you do that is, is thirdly, is, is, is to live in amongst them, as mm. in rub shoulders with them, do things with them, build that friendship with them. Yeah. And let's not do what the 
early missionaries <clears throat> did, you know, after the first fleet came, like in the in the 1830s onwards sort of thing when the missionaries came, that they tried to, to pl- place God onto the Aboriginal people. It's about walking alongside them and then wanting to actually get to know God mm. because, as we said also yesterday, is that God was always here. Mm. He was always here on this land with the Aboriginal people. And one of the... One of the um, you know spirit ancestors that they refer to, or you know the gods, is Bayami, and in some places is referred to as Mama, and um, and it's also referred to the sky god. And so for them, when they actually discover the god in the sky, there's this kind of a link somehow. But then as they actually get to know God in the Bible so mm. much more, there's this transformation or transition that happens, mm. like it does for us. Yeah. Your conversion, my conversion, yeah. it's the same story that happens mm. in that space. But I. I'm thinking, you know, when I go home, I know who I'm going to contact. Awesome. I can actually get my husband ah, on too. Awesome, awesome. Um, and, and, and we'll unpack this more, I think, in a few days' time. Absolutely. So, well, yeah. well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to continue on. This is Dave Hunt with the steadfast love of the Lord. Dave Hunt with the steadfast love of God. You're listening to mm. the Breakfast Show with Danuda and Lawson. We've had some in, in exciting discussions yeah, very already. Insightful. This, very, very insightful. Very mm. insightful. And I think I think it's awesome that like for a space that maybe I'm not very well versed in Danuda, that you've got a very specific and particular interest in, and and you know through through experience and through marriage as well, which well, abs- is abs- Aboriginal abs- culture. <laughs> immersed in it. You know, I must say that you know. I was I was working with Aboriginal, you know, meeting Aboriginal people and doing things so much with them in that space mm. for almost ten years before I met my husband. Wow! 
and um, you know, and then being married to an Aboriginal man and actually having a beautiful, beautiful Aboriginal family. Mm. And by the way, today it's my nephew's birthday. Oh, um, shout out nephew! So nephew from Keith's side, um, George. If you're listening, if not, we'll we'll play the podcast back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, George! But yeah. So, and if anyone else has got their birthday, please text us in on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let us know. We want to shout out a happy birthday to you. But look, you know, so yeah, being immersed in that and just really getting to know the culture, it's just so much more. And it's just been so enriching. Mm, Enriching is the word that I would use in in every aspect, just really beautiful. And I've met so many beautiful Aboriginal people and I've got so many friends that are Aboriginal. And I just, you know, I've I've taken on a lot on board so much. And what I really love with them is that they're very, very family orientated. Yeah. Very. And it's not just immediate families. The whole extended family is like an immediate family. Mm. And you can be walking down the street, like I sit with my husband, you know, he says, you know, hi cars, hi bro. They'll get talking as though they are family because that is part of their culture, right? And so, and you know, before I met my husband, I'd have some, especially ladies say to me, hey, sis, who's your mob? Right, and I'll say, no, I'm Polish. They go, come on, you're who's your mob? Come on, don't lie. I'm just like, no, I'm Polish, and they're like, but your eyes and your nose. I'm like, I know, but I'm not. (laughs) Now my husband says that I'm married to him. That I'm black, and there's no going back. (laughs) (laughs) You've been affirmed. Ah, You've been affirmed in that space. Initiated. (laughs) That is that's awesome. All right, what's our quiz question? So much. Uh, It says, yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the day. And in the night, his blank shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. That's Psalm 42, 8. Again, let me read that. It's fill in the blank, guys. Mm -hmm. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the day and in the night, his blank shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. 0491-064-669 is the number to text this morning if you know the answer to that one. If you text us with the correct answer, then you'll go into the draw for Heroes of the Bible, the amazing book that we are wanting to give to you absolutely for free. We've got Diana on the text line, by the way, saying, My daughter Chelsea is 12 today. Shout ah, out, Chelsea. As happy well. birthday. Dude, August is just popping off. Oh, People are just is. having birthdays all the time but again that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine heroes of the bible is our prize yet the lord will command his loving kindness in the day and in the night his blank shall be with me and my prayer unto the god of my life psalm mm. 42 and verse 8 you're listening to the breakfast show this morning oh man i'm really into this conversation about culture and i think something that you've stumbled upon mm. which is like you've you've had that experience in the culture where you know, it's like, how do I relate to these people? That's the key. And the steps that you can take to open those doors. Mm -hmm. And I've been really blessed over the, well, I've been really blessed to be Australian as you are too, Australian. And and you have a Polish background as as well. So you would know those steps as too. Mm. And, and of course with, with my cultural people, which is, you know, my dad's side, we're convicts, my mum's side, Uh Irish immigrants, Uh like I'm as Australian as it gets. Mm. Um, But then I was really blessed the last couple of years to be working at Newcastle uni. I'm not there anymore. They're like my church family. 
I love those guys so much. We had Hannah on the show on Friday. And actually through Hannah, with her being Japanese and there being mm. a large international student population, I would learn how I, I, I would learn through that time how I could relate to those people from yes. different countries. Whether it Beautiful. be, you know, for our, our you know, Islamic Middle Eastern population walking up to them and you can tell it's like, Oh salam alaikum, wa alaikum salam and they want to have a conversation with you and, and whatnot and, and and that would open the doors to me in their homes studying the Bible with them. Mm, you know, for, for for Japanese people learning enough of the languages, especially because my name is Lawson mm-hmm. and the most popular convenience store in Japan, it's like their seven eleven is called Lawson. True. And so I'd say to them like <laughs> Uh, you know, say like Nihonjin desu ka? and they say, oh, "Hi, Nihonjin desu. Like I'm from Japan." And then would say, and then I would say to them, "Oh, anata no nan, anata no no ka? Like, what's your name?" And they would say, "Oh, Yuki desu," or something like this. And then they'd ask me my name, and I say, "Watashi wa Lawson desu. Konbini mitai. Konbini mitai is like convenience. It's like a convenience store." Oh. And they're like, "Hontani? Like really? That's your name?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that, like that's really my name." And it would open the door, and then I could say like, "Dokokara." Like, where are you from? Oh, what province so are you from? Good. And then, and then, my well, Japanese, so fluent in my Japanese, Japanese would run you? out. But then you, you learn like one of the amazing questions to ask them. Right. Every province in Japan has like a specific food that they're known for. It's like, hey, what's your province food? Uh-huh. And if they're from Tochigi, it's like dumpling, like gyoza. Ah. If they're from, uh, if they're from like uh, Nagoya, it's like they have this special breakfast right. that they eat. This like toast and eggs. And it's a similar thing in China as well. You know, I'd. I'd meet Chinese people and have those conversations with them. And, but then for Europeans, like, uh, cause I got to live in Europe for a couple of years and, and especially they're from Spain, France, mm. Portugal, the areas that I was staying in and, you know, knowing all the different provinces wow. there. And I said, wow. Oh, so you're next to the coast in, Sp- oh, in wow. France or you're, you're on the, the bottom side of Spain. Oh. And we, as particularly with Spanish people, like, cause I lived for a year in Cartagena uh-huh. and, uh, Cartagena is like, the way that they speak, they're like, they're kind of like the hillbillies of Spain a little bit. They speak with so much slang. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> and so as soon as I like, I meet Spanish people, I start speaking with a bit of Catana slang, you know, it's like, like saying thing instead of saying este luego, they just mm-hmm. say logo. Oh, and, wow. it, and it's not like a different word. It's like, instead of saying like goodbye, it'd be like just saying, not even like saying bye. Uh-huh. It'd be like saying ud. Ah. <laughs> and it's just, and, and so people from, people from, who come from, uh, up from Madrid down yeah, to yeah. Cardena where I live, they would struggle because the dialect is so like, strong, what? even though they're speaking the same language. Yeah, but this is the thing that we saw is that it would just always open doors. Yes. When you get to know culture, you Absolutely. open doors. And then if we reflect here in Australia, you know, we have a culture that is built and based around occupation. It's built and based mm. around, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's this idea of what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so you, when I would hang out with those questions and they might seem mundane, but mm-hmm. for us, they're really key. And it's a, it's a Westerner thing in general. Mm. Like, oh, so what do you do with your life? And that's it. You and know, the difference with the Aboriginal people is talking family. Who's yeah, your mob? That's and, right. Yeah, we talk, we, we talk, talk what occupation, do you, what, what are you, you studying? Do? But then it's yeah. like, but even knowing that and then asking questions, one of my other favorite questions to ask mm. uni students are in particular would be what compelled you to get into that like right. what was yeah. because i think for the western culture where we're trying to find not so much who our family is but who what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. like that's a huge thing mm. for us finding our purpose like what are we supposed to do mm. and you ask someone a question like what compelled you 
to start studying speech pathology mm. or what compelled you to become a nurse mm-hmm. or why did you go into being a tradie and mm. now I have this whole story like even yeah, a question they? like that like tradie is like <laughs> well you know I really struggled in school and I saw this and I became I'm very interested practical. in this I'm good with my you know, hands that's I right like to do I, uh, I became a mechanic because yeah. I had an interest in cars and it's like <laughs> oh what's your favorite like it just the doors open, open when we take those steps to know culture absolutely then all of a sudden we can just the, the gospel oh. can panic where it couldn't before because we can relate it to them and people want to know more about Jesus. Also, you just become their friend. Absolutely. You know, you become interested in their interests, they become interested in your interests. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Coming up to our interview time with Dr. Justin Jackson. But just before we do, we're going on to our next quiz question so that you can enter for the draw on Friday that happens on the Heroes Bible game. Take it away, please, Lawson. Absolutely. How many times did Joshua's army walk around Jericho prior to its destruction? 0491-064-669 is our number to text this morning. Again, our prize for this week, Heroes of the Bible, the amazing board game that comes along with the promise that we'll come and spend some time <laughs> with you and, and we can and Lawson get, will bring the food that's for the right party. hey we'll get to know each other's <laughs> cultures you know we'll hang out hey how many times did Joshua's army walk around Jericho prior to its destruction and I should Z- clarify Ooh. on that day what on that, o- on, on that day yes yeah. yes prior on the day of its destruction how many times did they walk around Jericho. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. I already got correct answers flying in. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. And for our interview today, we've got on the phone none other than Dr. Justin Jackson to talk with us about gems of life from the creation week. Dr. Justin Jackson, are you there with us? I certainly am. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been blessed. Hey, can you, you know, we, we always get you on and you talk about health and whatnot, but can you do, before we get into our interview, a bit of a profile on yourself? Like, what is your background? We call you Dr. Justin Jackson, <laughs> but what is your particular field? What are you interested in? Where are you researching? What are you treating? Sure. So, well, I am an internal medicine and infectious diseases specialist. So, mm. Um, it's two different areas of medicine and the kind of patients that I look after um, are both in hospital and in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they're patients that come in and um, they might have problems with their heart or their liver or their lungs or um, diagnostic dilemmas where they're unwell and people can't quite work out what's what's going wrong with them. And um, yeah, take take care of those patients and try and find answers for them and and help them out. But Mm. I have a strong interest in in trying to um, not just be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, but also to prevent health as well. So that's yeah, that's, that's my so other good. Yeah, that's incredible. Preventative measures is truly the the best that we can take. Eh? And this is something that I've heard, like from all different fields, cardiac specialists, even in the mental health area, they're like, we can be preventative. So that's that's awesome. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, well, we're getting into gems uh, for the life from Creation Week. We've been discovering so far the perfect blueprint for health. Yeah, there's so much confusion about what we should be eating and drinking Mm. and doing to be healthy. 
But what we're really learning in this segment is that God has given us all the answers right at the start of the Bible and right in the very first book. Mm. Mm. But doesn't it, like, uh, it, it seems as though health trends change every five to ten years, um, and, and pe- it's, it's kind of going all over the place, but if we have these answers from the Bible, then I feel like we should definitely explore them. What, what gem from the Creation Week are we unpacking today? Well, today we're continuing to explore day three. Last time we saw that on this day God created the rivers to water the earth, and that included for us as humans what we should be drinking. But day three not only gives us our drink, it also gives us the prescription for food for perfect Mm. health. And on this day God creates grains, nuts and seeds, legumes, greens, root vegetables, berries, and fruit of amazing variety, different colours, delicious tastes. So day three and food. Oh, yum. Sounds yum. I love variety. I love different colours. I love putting a whole bunch of different colours of things together, especially in salads and things like that. So, yeah, what can you tell us about in that space? Isn't it amazing that, you know, I I, that's another hobby. You asked me a little bit about (laughs) myself, but I love growing things. So Mm. I have... Um, an, an orchard and some berries and some nuts. And, you know, they come for about two weeks and you might gorge yourself on fajoas and then move <laughs> on to um, persimmons. And, you know, there's just so many different varieties and, mm. and colours of, of, of fruit and vegetables, isn't there? And that, that's so interesting. So, like, the spectrum of having a balanced diet, if we're, you know, growing our own food, it's literally coming in seasons, <laughs> you know. And it's like, oh, hey, you know, and yeah. in seasons yeah. and cycles and whatnot. But it seems as though we've tampered a lot with God's original diet and that original plan. And, and even, you know, when we look at heaven in the future, where it's like, oh, each fruit for its month and its season, now with the kind of fakeifying of what we eat, and the processing of what we eat, um, it seems as though we, we can just, we have everything available to us all at once, but then at the Absolutely. same time, our health is suffering for it. Mm. Absolutely, yes. We've really created um, a fake diet, mm. and these changes accelerated really since the Industrial Revolution. We've talked about all the other um, changes that the Industrial Revolution has, has brought to disrupting the creation week with light pollution and air pollution. Um, We talked last week about replacing water to drink with sugary and caffeinated beverages. And we're doing the same thing with our food, replacing our diet with with this um, fake hollow food that's nutritionally depleted. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like with the Industrial Revolution that you're talking about here, that it's basically really changed a lot of our dietary patterns. Is that true? And how has it changed it? Oh, it it absolutely has. We've drastically changed the way we eat. Um, So if you look back into the 1800s, for example, Mm. average sugar intake was less than two kilograms, whereas fast forward 200 years to our day, you know, we're eating 45 kilograms of sugar on average a year. Wow. Oh, wow. That's like a body weight. (laughs) So intense. Uh, And... And that's not only for things like sugar, but oil. I mean, oil's a little bit hard because people used to eat lard, but on average at the moment, we're, we're eating 50 litres of oil a year, mm. um, 14 kilograms of cheese, and 
90 kilograms of meat. So huge amounts um, compared to to really where we were at 200 years ago. Wow. Wow. I, I guess we can see here. Some of these don't apply to me. I don't eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat meat. Oh, but you don't dude, have the sugar, but I'm no, sure. No, 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 no. The oil and the sugar, that's the killer for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and so really what we see here is with these steps of industrialization and these steps into more processed food, you know, more, more of a processed food diet, is that God's original plan in a more natural diet seems to be leaving us. It, mm. it's, it, we don't really have the room for it anymore. No, that that is so true. Um, and if you actually look at the percentage of food that really is our Genesis diet, mm. uh, 2010 report in America found that only 11% of calories came from whole grains, beans, fruits, vegetables, and nuts. So if you're to rate our diet on a scale, that means it would get a one out of 10. Oh, really? Wow. And- <laughs> That report went on, it's a bit mind-boggling. Three-quarters of people didn't eat a single piece of fruit in a day. Oh, wow. 96% didn't eat three servings a week of greens or beans. 98 didn't eat two servings of orange vegetables in a week. Mm. Um, And 99% didn't reach 100 grams of whole grains per day. So really, the diet that God's prescribed has been completely turned on its head. Mm. Mm, huge, hasn't it? And when you think about it, like you do see tend to see some people have like just the meat and then just some carbs and that's kind of it. Like sometimes if you offer them salad, they don't even want salad. They don't want even any veggies. So, but you know, and what you're saying there with that, that um, report, it kind of backs that in. And, and so there's a huge percent of people who actually replace that Genesis diet with, with, with what, as in what the creator made for something that's mm. really man-made and fake. Is that, yes, yeah? yes. And uh, we're really paying for it with our health, our rates of mental illness and obesity, diabetes, mm. cancer and other diseases. If you look at the graphs, they've they've written, uh, risen in proportion with the changes that we've made. Mm. So going back 30 years to 1990, 8% of us in Australia were obese, but now it's 31%. Wow. Um, and starting at a younger age, a quarter of our kids are now overweight or obese. A quarter. And, and the same with, with diabetes as well. It's gone from about half a million to almost one and a half million in the last 20 years. Um, it's, it's just incredible when we, when we look at the stats. Mm. Mm, wow. So why is our modern fast food so bad for us then? Well, it's really a double whammy. Um, what I mean by that is that it gets rid of the good things in the food, um, but it replaces those good things with the bad. So it's not just like we're leaving the bad out. We're actually leaving the bad out and putting the good in. Mm-hmm. And really, if you think about the meat, the sugar, the oil, the salt and the white flour, they are the key constitu- uh, constituents of our modern diet. Mm. And they're completely hollow calories without the nutrition. They're missing all the vitamins and minerals, the fiber, the phytochemicals and other antioxidants that the whole plants contain. And those things are the very elements that God's put there for our physical and mental well-being. Mm. They also are the things that need to feed our healthy bacteria and make substances again for our physical and mental well-being. Mm. 
So we have these, you know, need for gut health that will enable body health, that will mm. enable good, you know, phys- physical health, mental health, these kinds of things. But it seems as though the, we're missing out on these vital substances and now they're being replaced with harmful substances, things that that's, aren't good for us. Right. Yes, yeah. So we're taking those good things instead we're getting a whole plethora of different toxins mm. like the endotoxin from the unhealthy microbiome, oxidized lipids from our oils, um, advanced glycemic end products, you know, all these things, heterocyclic amines, hormones like estrogen and others. There's one really interesting one called insulin-like growth factor, which um, increases as we consume more animal products. And this promotes cancer and shortens lifespan. Mm. And something that um, we may not actually be aware when we're eating, but what we're eating actually imprints on our genes and gets passed on to our children and grandchildren. Hmm. So the choices that we're making are are affecting our offspring. Really interesting study um, really following people for over a century in the northernmost part of Sweden, very remote subarctic region, found that if there was an overabundance of food when the paternal grandfather was between 9 and 12, the longevity of his children and his grandchildren were affected by over 10 years. So massive change from overeating compared to um, eating uh, appropriately. Wow, that that's huge. I, I hear what you're saying there, Doctor, about the fact that it, um, what we eat affects our genes, is what you said there, and and so then it affects affects the next generations down. So what I'm hearing from you is that you're saying mm. it actually affects your probably next generation down and the next generation down, and what possibly the third or even fourth generation down. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, and their life right, expectancy. Yeah. Yes. So what what our nine year olds are eating today is is really um, dictating the health of of two generations or three generations. Wow. Death, this is um, very right. Ten Commandments-esque, you know, <laughs> like visiting the iniquity of the, of the, of the fathers, fathers to of the, the sons, fathers. you know, to the third and fourth generation. <laughs> that is intense. It. Yeah, it's amazing God. that it's, it's born out in, in science. And mm. we know that it's not only an overabundance, but specifically when, um, you know, a recent study from this year highlighted um, sugar, high fat, as well as things that um, we've covered previously, smoking, alcohol and exercise. Um, and it's in the, both the male and the female lines. Um, mm. So, you know, we often think about the mother and the effects of the mother on the, on the fetus, but this is the paternal, you know, grandfather. Mm. And the opposite is in those good things that we talked about, the plant phytochemicals, the fibre and the vitamins, and they slow the ageing, strengthen the immune system and protect against cancer. And interestingly, um, there's, you know, we talked a little bit about an epidemic of, of mental health problems. Back in 2004 in Australia, we had this program, I don't know if you remember, the Go for Two and Five campaign. Mm. was promoting fresh fruit and vegetables. Mm. Yeah, mm. I remember, yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I think it was, was it, maybe it was propagated by Healthy Harold or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I remember, yeah. yeah. So it, the researchers were really able to use this campaign and tackle the question of causality. And they found that if people switched um, to, you know, from, from eating very low rates of fruit and vegetables to eight 
um, servings per day, over two years, their health and well-being increased the same as if they've been changed from unemployment and poverty to employment. Wow. So massive changes in, in health and, and well-being. And this sounds better than antidepressants. Like, this, this is huge. Well, is it, it, is, it is actually an antidepressant. Mm. And the opposite has been shown um, true for fast foods with sugar and white flour. And the reason for that is you get these massive peaks hitting our dopamine receptors mm. and the body isn't designed for that. So it actually down-regulates our happiness receptors. And so then the lows are, you know, proportion to the highs. And this has been shown to have a dose-dependent response to the amount of fast food that we eat. The more you eat, the more likely it is that you'll be depressed. Mm. So if you're feeling like something sweet, have a piece of fruit or buy yourself a punnet of blueberries. Yeah, and this, this is the good time to buy them too. At the moment, we're just buying raspberries, blueberries and strawberries to the fullest because they're just so fabulous. So uh, uh, they're just yes. and so fresh and just so beautiful. But, I mean, overall, dietary advice has tended to be, you know, kind of complex, but you're making it sound really quite simple given that, you know, it is about just the natural foods in so many ways. That is so true. It's not complex. Mm. If it can be grown, in other words, if it's plant-based, and it's a whole food as close to nature as possible, then it's healthy. Mm. The more variety from berries, you know, greens, our root vegetables, our legumes, our fruit, the better. On the other hand, if it's processed or animal-based, the white flour, the sugar, the oil and the meat, it's harming not only your own well-being but the well-being of future generations mm. as well. So my challenge for listeners really is to return to the Genesis diet and the gems from creation week. If you found it in the Garden of Eden and it would have been eaten there, then absolutely go for it. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Justin. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.